Welcome to Biblical Truth Made Simple. You know, the road to the cross travels through the world that we live in. But even though we're traveling through this world, our citizenship lies somewhere else. Our citizenship lies within the kingdom of God. You are a child of God. So what is this kingdom? When is it going to get here? If we're living in this world, where is our kingdom? We are going to attempt to answer some of those questions in today's podcast. The recent death of Queen Elizabeth is a stark reminder that every earthly leader will someday die. Their reign is temporary. And while she was historically the longest serving monarch England has ever known, her reign is but a speck on the timeline of eternity. As travelers on the road to the cross, we do not serve an earthly king. Our citizenship is not of this world, but of the kingdom of heaven. 11 verses 1 through 4. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. There was much rich text here, and we could spend weeks or perhaps even months going over these words. But for the sake of this podcast, we're going to lean into these words. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. We're going to answer two questions, or we're going to seek to answer two questions. Is God's kingdom here and active? And how should that affect the way that we live and see the world? Well, the simple answer to our first question is yes. Now, I know many people who have spent countless hours studying eschatology or in simple end times prophecy. There is a common thread seen throughout the Gospels, and that thread is that Jesus is informing his disciples that the kingdom is at hand. Does this mean we are already living in the kingdom? Is the kingdom active in the world? Well, many Christians today believe that the kingdom of God is a future event that we're waiting for. They believe that the things are going to get worse before they get better, that there'll come a time when Jesus with his angels will come from heaven like the Calvary and save us all from a terrible, terrible world that has been created. They believe that while we are in the end going to win the war, until that day comes, we are losing the battle. I believe this is not what Jesus taught. If we have a king, then there must be a kingdom for him to rule over. Luke 17, it says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered to them, The kingdom of God is not coming in the ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God was standing right before them because the king was standing before them. John the Baptist proclaimed, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. This was not a warning or a proclamation of a distant future event. This would soon be a reality with the arrival of the King, of the Messiah. Jesus declared the same thing in Mark chapter 1. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee and proclaimed the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Why? Because the King was in the midst of the people. His ascension, when he left earth, was his coronation day, when he would take his place upon the throne, sitting at the right hand of God. The kingdom is here, and Jesus is active within that kingdom. The kingdom of God is here, and is active, and is growing. Mark chapter 4, it says, And he said, 
With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like the grain of a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. And yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. The king planted the seed with his disciples, and it began to grow on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 came to faith in Christ. It continues to grow to this day. Today, by last estimates in the United States alone, there are 167 million Christians. In countries around the world, people are coming to faith in Christ in numbers the disciples could not even imagine. It is a seed that has been planted in fertile ground and will someday cover the earth with all its branches. As king, he is active in all aspects of his kingdom. There is not one place on this earth, not one institution, not one government where Jesus is not king. And we live with that reality every day. In our country, the family is under attack more than ever today. You know, I've been on this earth for 63 years now and have been witness to the steady decline of family values in this nation. The sacred institution of marriage is not ours to play with or to change or to manipulate. It is an institution established by God for his people. It is an institution established by the king. Matthew 19, he answered, Have you not read that he who... flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. While there is a present day thought that the laws of man supersede the decrees of God is a false pretense. As the people of God, we are not subject to the laws of man when those laws do not fall within line of the decrees of the king. Sadly, there are some in the church who have bought into the assumption that the king's word and decrees must evolve with an ever-changing world and thought of men. It is the king who establishes the order of the family, placing the man in the position of being the leader of the household. For the husband is the head of the wife, even if Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. He is not a tyrant, though. He doesn't rule with an iron fist, but he rules as a servant leading by example. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. As a result, the wife submits to the husband, not as a tyrant, but submits to him as a king. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And children are to honor their parents. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that your Lord God has given you. The world has, is, and will continue to do all it can to destroy the family unit that God has created. They will continue to destroy this. Because we live in a world that declares men can be women and women can be men. Men can have babies and we can choose between a hundred different genders the world says that there is. God declared in the beginning. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. The choice is not ours. It was, is, and always will be God's. If one looks at the church today, it appears that we are on the defensive against such thought. And as a result, many churches are compromising so that they fit into the world rather than fitting into the kingdom. Many churches are waiting for the day when the king will come and straighten everything out. The truth is, 
that we are not on the defensive, but we are on the offensive because the king is already here. He sits now on his throne at the right hand of the father. And as a result, as God's people, we are subject to the king of kings and we are to stand firm in our beliefs, holding on to these truths. We are, in reality, though, subject to the laws and authorities of the nations we inhabit here on earth. And it's not because they are powerful men, rich men, or even officials that we elected. They are in power because they have been placed there by the king. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. These institutions of authority do not derive their power from anything they have done. It comes solely from God, and it comes with a firm purpose. For he is God's servant for your good. Having been placed by God, they are therefore subject to God. When they supersede the decrees and laws of the king, as God's people, we are to point them back in the right direction. We are to be the reminder to them of whence their authority is derived. There is not a nation, a state, a country, a city, or a person that is not subject to the king. With this in mind, we move on to our second question. How should that affect the way we live and see the world? There are many numerous answers to this, but I'll attempt in today's podcast to give you some application to this reality. We can live with the confidence and assurance that our king is in charge. When we focus on a theology that tells us that the kingdom is some distant future event and we do not know when it will happen, it can cause us to live in doubt. When we believe that we are losing the battles and the victory is assured, but in the distant future, we can live in fear. We focus on the theology that things are going to get bad, that will have to be taken up to avoid the bad, and the world will descend into chaos until the Calvary arrives and saves us. Knowing that the kingdom of God has already broken into this world, that his kingdom is at hand, gives us the ability to live confident of the fact that the war has been won. Imagine the confidence of the soldier who goes into war knowing that victory has already been won. We are those soldiers. We are the victors. The war was won on the cross as Jesus paid the full price for our sins. Victory was assured when he rose from the dead and now sits at the right hand of the Father and all his enemies are laid at his feet. Satan has been put into chains and is under control. Though active in the world, he really has no power, for our king has all the power. And we have nothing to fear of man, for our king stands with us. He is our strength, our shield, and our hope. Jesus declared upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are on the offensive, not the defensive. As a result, we are to be heralds to the king. We covered this last week and it is worth repeating. We are too with the confidence proclaim the kingdom of God to a lost and sinful world. He has planted the mustard seed and we are to cultivate it so it can and will grow into a mighty tree. Our king's final words were, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Pause there for a second. All authority over heaven and earth has been given to me. Our king is in charge of everything. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All authority not some bit in the future, all authority in the now, the present. 
all nations, not some, not only those we feel are worthy, but all nations. The time of God's kingdom is in the present. It is today. We are not to be complacent. Perhaps one of the greatest threats to Christianity today is complacency. Think of God's kingdom as some distant event that we may never live to see. We can become complacent, accepting that it will come and that we just have to wait for it. And the truth is that there will be a day when that is true. There will be a day when the kingdom of God is here in its full glory and there will be in its fullest sense really only one nation under God. We are encouraged to put up with the things that are going on until the kingdom does come. Convinced that it's going to get worse before it gets better. So we sit and we wait. If we understand the reality that the kingdom of God is at hand, that it is already here, breaking into this world, that our king reigns on high, not for some distant time in the future, but for now, in this day, there is no room for complacency. We must actively be working in his kingdom, for his kingdom, for his glory. That is why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are the salt and the light of the world at this time, actively working for our kingdom. We live in the assurance that our king is sitting on his throne, active and present in the world that we live. The seed has been planted, and we are to tend to it with love and truth. We have called upon the name of Jesus our branch and that ever-growing tree, we're not fighting a battle that we are losing now only to eventually win. We are in a war that has already been won. We are living in a world that appears at times to be headed into chaos. And there are going to be times and there is chaos in the world. But we cannot focus on the fact that that chaos is going to get worse and worse and worse until finally Jesus comes down like the Calvary and saves us. He is already reigning now, the war has already been won. Live with the confidence that you are a child of the one true king, that you are living in his kingdom and he does reign on high, that he is in control at all times. Have the confidence to live in truth, in the truth of God's word. If you're living today amidst that chaos and you were seeking the peace and the joy that is found in this kingdom, there is but one path and that is through Jesus Christ. To go to the cross, to confess your sins, him who was born of a virgin, only to die on the cross, bearing the full weight of your sins, taking the wrath of God upon his shoulder, who then arose on the third day, even defeating death, who now, today, sits at the right hand of God, ruling over his kingdom. Accept him as your Lord and Savior, and you too can find the peace, the joy, the contentment, and the confidence that you seek within your life. Father, I pray that we recognize the reality that you are reigning on high that you are active in this world today, that you are in control, that chaos will not win, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against your church. Father, I pray that our hearts recognize that the victory has been won. The war has been won. We are victorious in you, in our King who reigns on high. I pray that our hearts and minds are always pointed to this fact and always pointed towards you. And we pray this in your glorious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. I hope you recognize that we're not on the defensive as Christians. We are on the offensive. 
We're on the offensive with confidence because the war has been won. Our king sits on high. Let us walk down this road to the cross with our heads held high and our full armor of God with confidence. With confidence that he reigns supreme. Until we meet again, may this road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back and the sun shine warmly upon your face. And our King, our one true King, Jesus Christ, hold you gently within his hands. Mm -hmm.